the buyers are, the data is there. The buyers are waiting. There are, I mean, I know from my own clients, as I said, you know, people have told me that they're sitting on the sidelines, that they're waiting to buy, waiting to see what happens with the market. I think that the next rate hike, which was kind of mentioned here as well, certainly going to temporarily slow things down. Mm -hmm. But I think as soon as that news comes out that they're not going to be raising rates anymore, I think that's going to give people some comfort, some peace of mind. And I think that's going to bring a lot of people back. Are there stats on that? No. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Greg, it's great to see you and your beard and your beautiful face and your amazing t-shirt. Thank you. The agency. So quick introduction. My name, Paul Stevenson. I'm a mortgage agent. You can check me out, paulstevenson.ca. Uh, I'm actually going to post, I'm going to post, I'm going to post my Calendly link as well, somewhere in the chat at some point today. So if people want to have a conversation, they can do that. I'm joined with Greg Campbell. He's a managing director and also realtor at the agency, Ottawa, the agency, Ottawa. Uh, And Dave Warren is typically with us. He's also a mortgage agent, but he is away. Unfortunately, very disappointed, but I think it's 1am where he is. uh, And, uh, I don't blame him. He's probably sleeping. He's probably feeling real, really nice, very comfortable, warm bed, warm heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How you doing, Greg? How's the week? I, How's the weekend? I, I'm good, but I, I just, you know, I, I'm also going to share my Calendly link, Paul. I'm mm. going to share my Calendly link in the chat. Amazing. In case anyone wants to talk to me after the show. I, uh, I have to admit to our viewers, I have a, I have a delicious coffee here today. It is a uh, specialty coffee in honor of our 100th episode. <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to some questions. We got a lot of questions this week, Greg. A lot of, uh, a lot of opinions on our last episode where we Very were talking so. about, uh, I guess, a lull in the market. Just kind of a, a consistent... Uh, uh, well, there's a lot of comments. Let's put it that way. Good and bad. <laughs> uh, I know you answered a bunch of them, but I feel like, you know, to start off, let's, let's get into those questions. And we should say, for anyone who's watching, we are going to do a giveaway, giving that it's a 100 show. We kind of joked about it last week, but we are going to do it. So here's what you need to do. If you're watching, or even if you're watching after the fact, we're going we're gonna to open this up for the next couple of days. So all you got to do is subscribe to the channel. Very simple. And then send us an email to paulgregdave at gmail.com. And just put in the subject line, dinner with toe rep. Or if you want, in the actual body of the email... Tell us a topic you want us to talk about, a guest you'd like to see. Basically, just reach out, send us an email, and uh, you'll automatically be entered. We're going to do a a dinner for yourself and a guest uh, with myself, Greg, and Dave. And uh, we're thinking whale's bone, but we're open to suggestions. Oh, my God. Why does this keep happening to me? Sorry, dude. (sighs) That's it. Very unprofessional. Very unprofessional. Yeah. I was just bringing up, I was bringing up the list of questions here and it just started playing right away and my volume was up, guys. Yeah, so let's get, I'm going to read off some of these <laughs> questions from last week. So last week we talked about, uh, we were talking basically about the cool summer, hot fall, predicting that we, th- well, at least I think prices are going to go back up kind of fall, winter. And a lot of feedback, a lot of people that had uh, differing opinions. Um, one comment, which we get quite often, all talk, no facts, so-called realtors, this market is ripe for disruption. Uh, I love when the comments always talk about how uh, three realtors permanently bullish. So I am not a realtor. Uh, I feel like we lead off with that every show. I'm a mortgage agent. I deal on the financing side, as does David. Greg is a realtor, um, but we are not so-called realtors. Greg is an amazing realtor, a wizard. And uh, so I thought that was great. And the market is right for disruption. And I know, Greg, you made a comment uh, kind of in response saying that we do try to bring as much data as we can, but a lot of the market is speculative, right? I mean, we don't have a crystal ball, as we always say, um, but we do have to, you know, we use our experience and, and historical data and try to anticipate what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's no, there's no perfect model, right? As we've seen. Yeah, and the comment like the market is ripe for disruption. It's like absolutely, man, absolutely. And I'm like, bring it to me, do it, disrupt it, homie. <laughs> like, I just, you know, anyone that comes in that tries to do it generally gets stopped due to regulations and whatnot. 
So, I mean, there's lots of room for disruption in real estate, but no one has the balls to do anything that's effective mm. in Canada yet anyways. So we're stuck in this world where uh, it's still very traditional on how it was when it started in terms of how you buy and sell homes and how realtors work you through the sales process. Um, you know, you just get, you get better at it. Uh, the conversations change, but I mean, in terms of like a, like a change in how it's done, Canada's very, uh, regulated and very controlled in terms of what you can and can't do here. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, when the market's ripe for disruption, absolutely. Like, okay. And, you know, that's how I feel about that comment. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the next comment, same thing. Where's the data that the buyers are coming back with rates going up again very soon and Canadian debt levels so high, zero chance you're correct, boys. Uh, so I was talking to a friend of mine today, also a realtor, uh, and he said that he was just in a, a offer situation, Barhaven, five offers on the property, five. And uh, they ended up winning it and they had to pay 20K over asking. That was mm -hmm. today. So, you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen all the time. I'm not saying that's on every property, but the buyers are, the data is there. The buyers are waiting. There are, I mean, I know from my own clients, as I said, you know, people have told me that they're sitting on the sidelines, that they're waiting to buy, waiting to see what happens with the market. I think that the next rate hike, which was kind of mentioned here as well, certainly going to temporarily slow things down. Mm -hmm. But I think as soon as that news comes out that they're not going to be raising rates anymore, I think that's going to give people some comforts and peace of mind. And I think that's going to bring a lot of people back to the market. Are there stats on that? No, because it is speculative. But just from my own experience and from the clients that I'm dealing with, this is what they are telling me. So, I mean, that, that that's my and that's, data. Is, and that's the important thing. Like, you're getting told that, I'm getting told that. And historically, in my life in real estate, every single year, about the third week of September till the end of the first week of December, it's hot. It's good. People are out shopping. After that, it slows down again, and then it picks right up in January. And I don't know where all these people come get these comments from saying like, there's no chance we're wrong. Like it's, it's going to die. Like, and, and again, but we did say it like, was it uh, repeating redundant, the redundancy of us sometimes because of these people and their comments, it's like, it's okay. So sit on the sidelines, do nothing, do nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you mm -hmm. want to do that, be that guy. There's nothing wrong with that. Stay where you are, rent or Buy a home at the time that you feel like you're ready to buy. Just kills me. I hate going over this so much. These people ask the same questions. We give them the same answer. Yeah. Well, it could be different people asking the same questions. But it's, Maybe but it's just, just you know. it's, but it's just so funny. They ask the same question. Like we get the same question. Like people think that we're actually going to give them a different answer eventually. And then when we can't give them that answer and then nothing happens except everything that we said was going to happen, happen, then there's another reason to hate. Please keep hating. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an interesting comment and I do want to unpack this and I think we'll, we'll actually build a, an episode around this. This was from uh, Bobby. Bobby says, we need to unpack the argument around immigration that I often hear from the podcast. With regards to real estate as an investment class, immigration is a proxy for cash flow. In previous years, lowering interest rates plus immigration pushed up rental prices, so properties were increasingly cash flow positive. Investors leveraged the, cash, the positive cash flow into buying more properties and flips, the BRR strategy. However, interest rates are so high that increasing numbers of properties are cash flow negative, even with immigration flow. Hence, uh, deleveraging as cash flow became, became, becomes more negative. In other words, the cost of high interest rates overwhelm any rental increase adjustments from higher immigration flows. Therefore, the immigration argument is a weak support is a weak support in a high interest environment, so long as properties are increasingly cash flow negative. As a listener, I argue it would be beneficial to break down Ottawa neighborhoods and regions out into how plus minus cash flow positive they are at different interest rates. This way we can better understand the shifts in the market as interest rates change. For example, neighborhoods becoming investable again because you can re-leverage with the positive cash flow or becoming uninvestable if interest rates remain high. Most of your regular listeners are real estate investors. So I completely agree with that. I think it's a great comment. And I think for us too, Greg, I know you mentioned this to, in the comments as well, that we do need to 
kind of be a bit more specific in, I know we focused on kind of Barhaven, Orleans and so on, but getting more into um, like kind of specific niches, like investment investors, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what the impact of rates has on, on values and on rent and so on. And we should definitely take a deep dive, maybe do a full episode just on uh, like a deep dive into statistics and maybe get into, you know, historically what, uh, what that looks like over, you know, the last five, 10 years as far as uh, cash flow positive rates and rental income on those properties. Cause I think that, I think that would be beneficial for a lot of listeners. And I do think a lot of the people listening are either in the industry or are, or are current homeowners uh, and could really benefit from that. Thinking about maybe buying investment property or, you know, just understanding what their, what their investment is in their home. And that's, you just nailed it. That's the key people who are thinking about becoming investors. That's what this kind of comment is for. Because the people who are investors aren't generally concerned about necessarily always being cash flow positive. Mm. You know what I mean? They have ways of how they see it and how they've experienced things in the past to make it work for them or what they're predicting in the future. Like I know guys that are buying. and selling you know whenever it doesn't matter if the market i think it's very important to i read that question as this is people who are trying to become investors mm -hmm. and how can they do it without a mega injection of cash to get started does that make sense it does okay. we got a few questions in the uh in live form on here a live form here on youtube uh let me read some of these here so chris says i'm looking to buy a house in hull I've contacted two realtors, two realtors for properties for sale, and both have told me there is already a, in quotes, promise for payment. What does this mean? Can I still make an offer? Also, on that note, rates are about to change this week and people will have to be pre-approved once again, correct? Question mark. Does that mean promises for payment might not mean much come the rate change day? So Greg and I were both a little um, surprised to promise to purchase in Quebec. So this is basically a legal agreement where one party promises to purchase property from the other property. Oh my gosh. Um, so I would imagine it's very similar to like a conditional offer in Ontario. That's my, does that sound fair, Greg? It's yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, a promise to pay, I guess is just considered almost like a promissory note, mm -hmm. but you know, when you sign a promissory note, that means that you fully intend to close. So I don't know if it would be similar to in our contracts when we put in the buyer agrees to pay the balance of the purchase price. Like that's the first clause in all of our offers here in Ontario. Well, in, in for mine anyways. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know, but that's, that's an interesting comment. And again, we do have a lot of uh, questions about Quebec. So we should probably uh, get, uh, get one of the guys back on to talk about that. Cause yeah. I'm not sure. I can't answer that, that question completely properly. And, and Chris, regarding your, your comment about the pre-approvals, you're absolutely right. So um we are, what day is today? Today is the 5th. So on the 8th is when we're going to have the announcement. So midweek this week, anyone who's been pre-approved, at least for a variable rate, will need to get pre-approved. So I know we've talked about this and I apologize for the regular listeners, but if you're pre-approving, we have to do essentially two pre-approvals, one for a fixed rate and one for a variable rate. And if you have a variable rate and rates go up, if you have variable rate approval and rates go up, then your buying power is going to decrease. So we will have to re-pre-approve you if you've been pre-approved for a variable rate. So I would say if you're pre-approved currently, speak to your bank or speak to your mortgage broker and say, you know, how did you pre-approve us when you did that? Was it on a variable rate, a fixed rate? What does that look like? And then uh, basically assess whether or not you need to reevaluate those numbers. Uh, last question, he says, do realtors have access to properties for sale before they go live for buyers online to see? Mm -hmm. Does that mean if you don't have a realtor, you're at a disadvantage finding a brand new listing? Absolutely. 100%. And there, I, put it this way. Who, who asked that question? What's her name? Uh, Chris. So I can speak to Chris directly. I have two right now that are off market in Orleans that if you called me, I could give you access to them and you could see them. They're not on the market yet because I told my clients to wait until the third week of September when I think the market's going to uh, hit hard again. So we are waiting, but we have it offered off market. And the trick about off market listings is that generally you put them on at a price and it's expected that to have the privilege of coming in and seeing that property off market, you're going to pay exactly that price, if not very close to that price. 
Um, and that's, that's how it is. There's a couple platforms that realtors use that allow their clients to see properties that are coming soon or off market. Mm -hmm. Um, I work very closely with one of those, um, with one of those companies and, um, every morning in my inbox, I get a list of, of properties that are either off market exclusively indefinitely or properties that are coming soon to MLS within the next couple of weeks. So you are at a massive benefit to work with a realtor, but more specifically to work with an experienced realtor who has access to those resources because not everybody does or not everybody's aware about it. So if you talk to somebody, ask them if they have that. And before you sign any contract with them, I would make them prove to you that they have access to that and show it so that you know if you sign a buyer representation agreement that you're getting the service that you're requesting. And Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, but you working in an office like the agency too, you would have access to all of your agents' properties as well. So if they have listings yeah. that aren't publicly available, you know, you can... We share, like a lot of the time we share in our private groups, uh, properties that are coming up exclusive. I mean, across the city, there's a couple Facebook groups that share that as well. Mm -hmm. So there's, uh, yeah, so it's happening. and It's becoming more common, especially like with me right now. So actually I have a third one coming. So I have three listings now that are off market until the third week of September that you could call me, ask me where they are. And if it suits, you can come and see them. Now, a couple of them are getting some renovations done, getting some stages, staging done. But if you come in and see it and you say you want it, then, you know, we work something out. But I have one in Ottawa East and I have two, uh, two in Orleans right now that no one's going to see for three weeks, but I'm promoting it offline. Mm -hmm. Holler. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Chris, Chris said, uh, okay, thanks. Sounds about right since they both said that in French... And I translated directly. The realtor still told me I should come visit in case, but wasn't sure if it made sense still. Greg, what would you say, like what percentage of properties, and this is an impossible stat, but from your experience, what percentage of properties that are currently or have been conditionally sold come back onto the market? Like how, how often is that? Oh, uh, right now it's happening a lot more. I'm going to say, I'm going to say right now in Ottawa, that we're probably at about 7%. 7% that are conditionally sold come back on the market? Yeah. Right now, that number in the US, I think, is about 20%. Wow. Okay. And and we're always... Anyways, I, the way that I'm seeing, especially in Ottawa, I would I, it would be safe to say seven. Like, I've been involved in a few. Um, and it's for a number of reasons. It can be cold feet from the buyer using the financing clause, whether they got approved or not, just to back out of it, mm -hmm. which is their right. That's what the clause is there for. It's to protect them. You do everything you can to save the deal, but people are walking out because of that. There's also other things that are happening, coming up with inspection, whereas like a few months ago, it wouldn't have been a deal. Right now, it's the end of the world. And sometimes even if the seller's saying like, well, no, I'll take care of it. The buyer's like, no. And that's just, it's cold feet, right? In fear of, of the rates, in fear of... Uh, you know, getting a high interest rate, uh, in, a fixed interest rate loan, um, which is, it's not a big deal, but I think that uh, mentally people are still having a hard time adapting to the change in the market. A lot, some people, not everybody, but some are. Yeah. And, and make no mistake. I mean, I'm have no, uh, no delusions that rates are not going to go up again in September. I mean, it's, it's almost guaranteed. Uh, so rates, rates are definitely going to go up, which as we've said, is going to probably temporarily decrease home values and, and the movement in the market. But I do believe that this is going to be the last rate hike, which means come October, November, when things bounce out and people feel more comfortable. And, you know, there's a public announcement saying we are not lifting rates, or if in October, they do not increase rates. Uh, I think that we're going to see a, a big flood of people come back to the market, a lot of buyers. So uh, let's go back to the questions here. So Karim says, hello guys, if you don't have to sell because you're closing on a newly built, sorry, if you don't have to sell because closing on a new built or family situation, why would you do so in this market? Sorry, like what he's just basically saying, why would you buy anything? No, why would you sell in this market if you don't have to? Because you want to. I think people just sell their homes because they have something in mind and they want to do it. Uh, there's nothing more to that. There's nothing more to it. It's like you say, if you want to sell your home, you sell your home. 
maybe, you know, some people have to because they're relocating and we don't know what that looks like. It's, it's always different, but I mean, you know, some people might just be like, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to sell. And they don't care about the headlines or what's going on. Because mm -hmm. the thing is, it's like, even if you sell for like 50,000 less than what you would have months ago, you're still buying something at 50,000, a hundred thousand less. So it's all, it's all relative. It makes absolutely no difference where you're yeah. going. It's like, you're not, there's no, right now there's no sell low, buy high. That's not what you're doing. You're selling low and you're buying low. It's the same. Like you're on, you're on the, the line. <laughs> you're, on, you're on the line. I would say too, like, I mean, anyone who's selling today, unless they bought their home a year ago. I mean, you know, if they've owned their home for five, 10 years and they're selling today, they might be downsizing. Um, he was asking, you know, if they don't have to sell uh, or there's no family situation. I mean, like you said, Greg, they may just, it may be uh, a lot of people, I think over the last couple of years have reassessed what's important in life, what their values are, what they're, you know, what they're looking Very for common. as far as a lifestyle. Uh, and they may just say, you know what, we're, we're, we can sell this property. We'll walk away with 500,000 cash. Uh, we can buy a, a place on the East Coast for 300 grand or, or what have you and just, you know, start start a new, start fresh, start a new life, whatever that all looks like. Is. So there's always different reasons why people sell. I mean, we hear it all the time that the motivations are are different for every single person. Uh, and it's impossible to know what people's motivations are unless you ask them. So I think it is uh, it is something that, you know, when when prices are steadily going up, it's an e it's an easy conversation say oh well i just want to take my profits and so on but like you said greg like if you it's again i, I hate to flog a dead horse here but i feel <laughs> like it's one of those things where you know if you are buying a place if you're selling your place right now and you're getting fifty thousand less than you would have at the beginning of the year but you're upsizing and you're buying a place that you're you know now getting for seventy five thousand dollars less when the prices go up, you're still coming out ahead. So it's not like, like, it's pretty much a wash. Like, it's not as dramatic as people think it is. Like, I, I, that's my opinion, obviously. Dude, that's why I'm saying it. It's a great opinion. And, and the funny thing that still I can never get sometimes is that people who try to plan when to buy specifically based on interest rates and price alone will always fail. You will always fail unless you are like a massively skilled investor buying the dips and whatnot. If the time is now, the time is now. You can't look at it like that. You just have to take action. And, and these conversations right now, it's about taking action. No one wants to take action. The media puts like Mr. Scaredy Pants in everyone's <laughs> mind. Mr. Scaredy Pants, he's out, he's out to get you, everyone. For sure. So anyways, it's... You know, don't be afraid. Just get the information and just just be informed. Don't be don't be afraid because it could go up, it could go down, it could be the same. You know, two years from now, you might have regrets. You might not. I don't know. You might be dead. Two months. Who knows? Why and as Al as Alan Watts right. says, it's always now. It's, it's always, always now. now. <laughs> when you bought your home five years ago, it was now, and it's still now. You know, so you just got to do it. Um. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted, yeah. we got a few more questions Historically, coming in here. People, like, people oh. need a place to live. People need a place to live. Give it to me, Paul. Guarantees, death, taxes, and a need for a roof over your head. Those are, <laughs> those things are for certain. Um, right. For anyone who's tuning in, uh, we're going to get to the questions again soon. Just want to tell you, if you subscribe to the channel, send us an email to paulgregdave at gmail.com. Put in the subject line "dinner with Toe Wrap" and you can uh, you can have a chance to win dinner with uh, Greg, Dave, and myself, and uh, it'll be a fun time. We'll have a good time. Um, <laughs> it will. It will Very be great. Fun. So uh, let's see here. Jose says, "What's the rental market looking like in Ottawa these days? Uh, are there a lot of properties for rent right now that aren't renting quickly?" Yes, there are, and there's also more coming out that are available now that are going to be sitting um i can't give you a very direct specific yes or no about that but there's a lot of rentals that have been coming out in the last little bit i think uh, jose i think you might have made a comment on the last show but you know just in the, those the last seven days not this week previously but the one before i mean 43 new rentals in canada that's insane mm -hmm. so i think over the next the next few weeks uh seeing the rental market, but I am going to pay attention to it because just seeing those numbers, it's intriguing me. 
on, on seeing what's going on. I think a lot of these are uh, owners who may have had their house up for sale because they bought something else, couldn't sell at the price they wanted. So they're renting it. Uh, now the question is, are they going to get the amount that they need based on a new rate that they might have on the mortgage after porting their current mortgage to their new house? Yeah, and that was kind of the conversation we had last week too with, with people renting now. Is it a matter of them not wanting to sell in this, in this environment? Like they want to give it 12 months, uh, which is like most that. likely. That's, so, I mean, that, that makes the most sense to me. Um, S. But I had, I had a, I had a um, sorry, just quickly, uh, yeah. a, client, a client call me, his sister, uh, the landlord said they're up in the rent by $300 in December. And he was like, can they do that? I'm like, yeah, they can do whatever they'd like, basically, um, at the end of the lease, so... You know, and that's just someone, maybe his, you know, his, uh, his mortgage renewal is up. So he's increasing the rent so they can decide if they want to, they want to take it or if they want to go try to find something else. But, you know, chances are wherever else they go, it's still going to be high. So the rental thing's interesting. I don't think it's, I don't think it's great, but it's what it is. Yeah. Uh, S very, uh, very discreet name. S says, Hi. Do you think that back-to-office mandates will soon be affecting the cost of suburbs versus, suburbs versus downtown? Not sure. <laughs> I don't really have an answer for that. I mean, I know a lot of people that are going back to work. I also know a lot of people that are working from home permanently. Mm. But I think that's... I don't think that in either direction is going to be extreme. I think it's just a balanced... Like, what do you think about that, Paul? I agree. I mean, I know there's a lot of people I talk to that did used to work downtown and they have zero interest in going back to the office. Now, whether or not that's the norm, I don't know. Maybe I need to poll another, uh, another few hundred people. But I would imagine like if the mandates are that everyone has to go back to the office, especially government workers, I think the city has been putting a lot of money into obviously our light rail system uh, for the sole focus of being able to get people downtown quickly and i think that um not that anything would ever be done for political reasons but i would imagine that they would probably be uh, a, a good reason to get people going back down to the city center downtown so i would imagine that we will see prices downtown increase but again i mean it's all going to come down to like this winter is going to be very telling I, I again we don't know like this is all our assumptions and our 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 opinions, sorry, I shouldn't say assumptions, our opinions, but I think that a back to work is just going to pour more gas in the fire uh, come November, December. If, you know, assuming that the fall goes well and we don't have any further mandates or restrictions or anything like that, I think that November, December, especially January, January is where I think we're going to see the tipping point where we're going to see prices uh, start to rapidly increase again. This is just me. I'm more than happy in January. Someone said to me this week, like, what if you guys are wrong? I said, if we're wrong and in January prices dip, like, I'll be the first to say I'm wrong. Um, I have no problem admitting admitting my mistakes. But I just, I really believe that from what I've seen that we're going to start to see prices go back up again. And, and I am saying, and I've said this repeatedly over the last couple of weeks, I do think the prices are going to continue to dip for the next, you know, three to four weeks, especially with the rate drop coming or rate increase coming. But then after that, I do think we're going to see prices turn around and the market stabilize even further and, and start to re, uh, start to increase again. Um, we have a lot of questions coming in here, so I'm going to start pumping through them here. Abishirou! Homie. Welcome to the live show. <laughs> what Our up? B. Our girl B. I think it's Guy. I think he, I think he addressed himself he's, as a male. A guy. A guy. Um, right. Did you guys hear about any bidding wars on rentals like what we heard in Toronto recently? Sorry? Oh, bidding wars on rentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had a few here and it, it was, I wasn't involved, but I know of a few and it wasn't price. It was the, uh, the, uh, tenant, the client. Mm. So you're bidding for who is the best tenant. That's what I've heard of through colleagues of mine. I haven't heard of any rentals right now going for more than where they're at because there's a lot on the market and the prices are already pretty up there, but the landlords are reviewing um, the report of the tenant, like their credit, their employment, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, uh, it's basically a social credit check, uh, battle right now. 
Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a university, if you're a couple just out of university starting a new job versus a couple of professionals who've been in the game for five years, chances are, if you're competing, you're going to lose. Yeah. And is it fair? No, but that's how it is. So you just got to figure out how you're going to navigate that. Um, for B. Charon, I just had a friend of mine text me saying, when I called out your name, they actually wooed out loud. Uh, <laughs> very excited about B. B's a celebrity here. Um, Corey Mann says, I know someone who did a deal on a property and the realtor used their commission to fit the difference to the seller. Now, I feel like we need a bit more clarity. Fit the difference in, in price? In commission yeah. or what in uh, value? Like I guess to I'm trying to think to, to for compete? the seller. Uh, well, if a seller, yeah. So the so the so the agent would have reduced his commission and given based it to the seller. The offer so that the mm. seller accepted the absolutely. I've done it. I've done it at times, and there's and every you got to understand like every there's so much going on in every transaction that there is no right or wrong way when you get there, but when you have to be able to adapt instinctively to do what's best for your client. And sometimes it may mean doing that. And in a scenario like that, you might have a seller who's basically saying like, I'm insulted, this and that, but they've been on the market for two months, doesn't like the price. It's the first offer that they've had in two months. Mm-hmm. And, and as a realtor, you're kind of going like, we're not getting another offer. This is the best offer that you're going to get. So then the conversation becomes, you know, the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. You, you speak, you try to get everything to where you want it to be. But then there comes that, that breaking point where it's like, okay, uh, you know what? I'm just going to cut it. Sometimes, sometimes the buyer's agent and the selling agent, they may negotiate a deal where both of them split that commission to make it, to make it work for, uh, for the both, both clients. Yeah. Because people just stick, you know, they stick in their heels and both of them are sitting there going like, fuck that. I'm not moving. And, and you know that, and it's not even, and, and it's funny because this is one of those comments where you, you think like, oh, it's about the, you know, the agent, you want your commission. It's honestly, it's not about the commission. It's like, sometimes you're in a scenario where you you just, you really want to do well, always you want to do what's best for your client. And sometimes you have to do that. So if it means taking a hit, you get it done. And it's, uh, it's definitely a part of the business. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely there. It's great. Great response, Greg. Great answer. I know uh, kind of, uh, uh, inside, inside information that I know most, uh, federal departments are trying to enforce at least one day return to the office now. So that's, uh, that's definitely a 180 for many. And I think, um, S said on, in the comments here that, um, uh, as I work in the federal government and we all have to go into the office a few days a week, whether we want to or not. And then someone else said, not all federal government workers are being mandated back to work. So we got some, some differing opinions here. The other thing I would say is like, if someone was previously working for the federal government and working downtown, the likelihood is if they owned previously that they probably own near the downtown core already. So going back to work might not be that much of a, of a, of an issue, but, um, um, but uh, on that same note, uh, if they own a property downtown and more people are starting to flood the downtown market, then the likelihood is that their value, their property, their, their property value is going to go up in in price. Wow, I can't speak. It must be uh, must be this coffee. Um, okay, back to the comments here. So let's see, uh, Bicheron, Jose, Bicheron. Uh, okay, Bicheron's back. Uh, do you guys know what is the current inventory of properties for sale in Ottawa? And do you see that number rising or decreasing over the next month? I don't have an exact number. Let me see what I have here. Residential city core 818. Um, but that's active conditional and sold. Give me a second here. Yeah. I don't have that number in front of me. There's a lot of conditional sales though, right now, a lot way more than there was last week citywide. So what does that mean? What does that tell you? Right? Conditional sales are good sales as far as I'm concerned. Conditional sales, tons of price reductions, tons of price reductions across the city. Mm-hmm. Kind of scanning this this briefly here. So yeah, here, look at this. So here's, I'm looking at a map here, city center. Um, one, two, we got about 20 conditional sales that went active again, fell through. 
you know, wow. going back to that comment from earlier. Yeah. I'm that's seeing, 0.7%. I'm seeing well over, let me just keep going. I'm seeing well over a hundred price reductions citywide. Um, and a lot of new active listings, you know, we've still got about, what am I looking at here? Looking at about over a hundred new listings out in the last seven days. So it's still happening. Um, but whatever it's, and, and like I said last week, the, uh, the price is, um, it's not changing that much. Mm -hmm. Properties are still selling at like, you know, a hundred percent, like 90, 98% of sale price to list price. So it's, you know, and that's it. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, question here about rates is, do you know if more people are going fixed short term with the threat of more rate hikes from the bank of Canada? uh it's it's honestly a coin flip like i still feel like the conversations i'm having with clients there's a lot of people still very interested in in the variable rate option um i think with this next rate hike it's going to force that question a lot more frequently uh, i personally believe we're going to see rates start to decrease again in the next 12 months uh so taking a five-year fixed term at you know mid fours is probably not in your best interest long term I would say, you know, we've said this before, but I think you need to look at the full 60 months. If you're taking a five-year term, look at the full 60 months. And if you're taking a variable rate, it gives you two options. One, you're going to get a pretty comparable rate as you would with a fixed rate now anyways, even with the, the next rate hike. But the penalty to break the variable is much less than if you have a fixed rate, typically. So if you think rates are going to come down in a year or two, by having a variable rate, it allows you to basically break that term and pay only three months of interest as opposed to having to pay what's called an interest rate differential, an IRD, uh, for having a fixed rate. So if in two years rates come back down to, you know, 299 or 329 or what have you, just breaking your variable rates is going to be much better for you to then lock in for a longer term at that lower rate than if you have a fixed rate. If you have a fixed rate at 459 for the next five years, when rates come down, you're, you're really up shit's Creek. Whereas if you have a variable rate at, let's say, four and a half and rates come down, well, now you can basically break that variable rate and lock in for a new five-year term at the lower fixed rate. Again, we don't have crystal balls. I'm not saying rates are guaranteed to come down again. But from what I've seen and kind of speculation and from what I've read and my experience and all these many factors, I believe rates are going to come down again in the next 12 months. And so to do that, as you said, a short term might be the best option, uh, you know, yes. taking a one or two year fixed term, Absolutely. which is going to be in that same threshold of, you know, four and a half to 5%, uh, and then reevaluate after those two years. So I would say, yeah, I mean, if I'm advising you, it's going to be either variable rate or, or short term, three, three years or less for yeah. sure. The short term fixed, I think, is the key right now for everybody. Yeah. Because it's not like, you know, you just kind of accept it. You may be paying a little bit more, but whether it goes up or down, it doesn't, it won't affect you as much because that's the thing, right? People think, oh, well, I'm going to wait until the rates go down. And then what happens? The rates go down, the prices go up. And yeah. we're also looking at inflation another year. Like I, you know, it could just, it could be a mistake by not getting in sooner than later. You just have to do again, what's right for you at the time. It's always, it's always a mistake to wait. In my opinion, I, uh, for anyone who's new to the show, I mean, my favorite saying it's, uh, it's right on my website, paulstevenson.ca, shameless plug. Um, you know, on my, on my page for pre-approvals, I literally says, you know, the best time to buy was yesterday. The best, second best time is today. And I, I believe that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's as far as the facts, it's, it's a fact as far as I'm concerned, you know, it's as close to a fact as we're going to get. Um, let's see here. Can a seller break? Oh, sorry. Clinton. We got to answer this. Loves the O-Train. What would Bank Street O-Train from Billings Bridge to Parliament mean for real estate in the core? Greg? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, the more, you know, the, the, the transit system, you'd think that uh, it would make downtown, I don't know, like less desirable. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Oh, you, you've got a train, you can come to the core, then you're going to move to the suburbs. So it, it's hard to predict. But now, again, with, with you know, the pandemic, people working from home, out of home, um, at, at home and, and going back into the office, it's like, I can't, I can't even try to guess what that would mean because mm -hmm. it's not here and there's no, 
I think, and again, personally, like I haven't studied uh, what that looks like in cities across the world that have had that in the past. I know nothing about that data. Um, and it's just something I've never, uh, it's never been of interest to me, but maybe I should, I should look at it. I honestly, but it, personal opinion based on just saying that like Billings bridge to downtown, I don't zero. Yeah. Zero. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. That's specifically like Billings bridge to parliament. I mean, Billings bridge, when I think about that surrounding area, uh, you know, there is a pretty dense population there especially on riverside with all you know there's a lot of high rises there and then you kind of roll into bank street and so on um but i just think that most people that are there are already probably you know biking down to the city center or they're probably already getting making their way down anyways i don't know if that specific train from billings to parliament would do a lot for the real estate in the core but as you said greg like you know as the city continues to uh intensify as far as the population and so on over the coming years I think no matter where you buy in the city, it's gonna you're gonna be in a good position uh, as far as values. Yeah, Stephen Hopkins made a good comment here saying it just basically mean no more buses on Bank Street, which I think is good. <laughs> yeah, because it is because Bank Street is brutal for buses, so the O train that's a huge benefit for sure. Yeah. Um, can a seller break a conditional sale if someone offers a better offer? Say, say that again. Can a seller break a conditional sale if someone offers them a better offer? No, because if you have a conditional sale, you're locked into that agreement until the buyer either removes the conditions or backs away from the deal. Once an offer is accepted as conditional, that is the deal. There's no other, no one can come in and submit another offer. You can only submit another offer if there's a counter back and forth and you submit um, once the offer is going back to the seller. So that makes sense. Yeah. But if you see something conditionally sold, no, you just got to wait till it's either accepted. If it falls through, then you submit your offer. Yeah. That seems to be the, the name of the game today is that like the conditional offers. Cause that, I mean, we are seeing more of those and they are not, they haven't been common over the last couple of years. So conditional sales are seemingly uh the topic of conversation today and that's why it was interesting because i know i think the home that i bought now was conditionally sold came back on the market and then i bought it the day mm -hmm. it came back on the house before that was conditionally sold and came back on the market was on the market for less than a week and then i got in on it so i mean it's worked to my benefit a few times so i would say like even if a property is conditionally sold and you love it don't let it go. Like, don't give up on it. Make sure your realtor knows that you're very interested to stay in touch with that realtor, to keep an eye on that property. Um, does that happen often with you, Greg? Like, do you have people that say like, this is the property we want? Like if it's conditionally sold, just basically staying on you to, or mm -hmm. what, what's your process? You just tell the selling realtor. Well, you keep an eye on it, right? If, if someone um, messages me and they want to see a property that's conditionally sold, you know, a lot of the times they won't know that it's conditionally sold because like on the public sites, it just still shows as active. Mm -hmm. um, they'll call me and then I'll say like, you know, do you really like, is this something that you really want to see and pursue? And then I'll call the agent and then I'll ask them where they're at in the process. And if they think that the conditions will be removed. Um, and, you know, I always tell them to keep me in the loop if the deal falls through and if the deal's about to fall through, you know, whether we've gone to see it or not, sometimes we'll go and see a conditionally sold property. If the seller's allowing it, they don't have to allow it, but they, they can just in case it falls through. If it falls through, I'll get a call from that agent immediately. Greg, deal's falling apart. Come and see it. Let's do a deal. Mm -hmm. And then I just call up my guys, run over and see it. And if they want it, we submit an offer. Uh, let's see. A couple comments here. Love the show. Congrats. That's on your hundredth. Thank you, S. Margaret. Congratulations on your hundredth show. I left another week. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. Uh, JL, do we still see a lot of buyers from Toronto to Ottawa, like one to two years ago, given that there's a significant correction happening in the GTA? I, I dealt with a lot at the beginning of the year, but I haven't this summer at all. That's just me. I, I don't have any more information than that. Um, you know, I've talked to agents and that well to be honest maybe i do have more information on that 
it hasn't come up, but it came up a lot since January. Mm -hmm. Like I did three of my biggest deals of the year were with clients from the GTA. So that's, you know, maybe, maybe it's going to come back. It would make sense, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen it much myself. Like I would say most of my clients, uh, definitely some people that are in Ottawa moving outside the city, uh, you know, moving to kind of the outskirts, Russell, uh, Limoges, Smith Falls, Renfrew, et cetera. Renfrew being uh, an interesting hot, hot spot right now, Perth. So that I'd see more kind of Ottawa moving out. Haven't seen too many Toronto buyers coming to Ottawa. Uh, be interesting. I wish we had Dave on here because I know he, uh, he has a lot of, uh, he had a lot of investors kind of from Toronto area coming to Ottawa over the last couple of years. So he would probably be able to voice a better opinion on that, but we'll maybe we'll touch on that next week too and see what, uh, see what Dave's thoughts are on it. Uh, let's see here. Next question. Be sure my buddy works for DND and was told he may need to go back to work with the hybrid model, but no specifics on number of days. And they have to be provided with minimum four weeks notice before the switch. Okay. Uh, Dan says, have you guys heard anything about the programs that the liberals promised a while ago? Do you think these programs will impact with demand, uh, delay until the programs are stoked demand? Um, yeah. So again, I, 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 Dave's usually very much on top of these. I am not like, I haven't seen too many of the programs, obviously the, the one program about, uh, foreign buyers. Um, now we also have the, the 20% tax that's, uh, that they pay on that. And we actually had a few people, I have a friend of mine currently living abroad who is, coming back to Canada uh, and they're planning to buy before they get here. And we had to kind of do some research to see like, are they going to have to pay that 20% tax and so on? Uh, a lot of the other ones, like the first time home buyer savings account that is active now. Uh, I'm trying to think of what some of the other ones were. They promised to build, I don't know, tr 6 trillion homes or something, um, which is probably not going to happen. Um, but I know that, uh, I mean, no matter what happens right now, like the biggest thing I think from, the plans that they like the ones that they wanted to put in were um, more flexible first time home buyer incentives, which I think is actually very positive. Uh, and that speaks to the savings account being able to have, um, you know, pretty much money being put into an account that you can then use for the down payment on your home. Now, there are some limitations to it that I don't necessarily agree with, but I think that the idea of it is good and I think it'll only improve over time. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones they had. They've obviously slowing down foreign buyers. Now, I know they wanted to introduce a home buyer's bill of rights, which would be interesting. Uh, I don't want to touch. I have to do some more research on it, but I remember hearing that. Um, yeah, and they're doing the rent to own program, which I think is an absolute joke. One thing they do, they did want to do that I think is actually, I mean, I talked about this even before, like right when the pandemic hit was converting empty office space into housing. Now, speaking to everyone talking about having to go back to work, that might be something that's going to be put on hold. But I thought that was an interesting incentive with all the empty space downtown and, and people working from home. Uh, you know, we were having a huge housing crisis where nobody could find places to live. And we had, you know, thousands of vacant offices that were just sitting there collecting dust, uh, literally. And, uh, you know, that could have been something that was converted into affordable housing and so on. So Good question, Dan. I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for you off the top of my head, but I will certainly, uh, I'll take a note of that too and I'll get some more research and see and what's been implemented and what hasn't and we'll, we'll touch on that next week. The, the one thing I want to say uh, to Dan, if he hasn't watched past episodes, is the whole thing about affordable housing and like the Liberal government keeps promoting affordable housing, but we talk about it all the time. Well, not all the time, but we have. Where what, what is affordable housing? It depends on the neighborhood that you're in and it has to be affordable based on what the market rents are in those neighborhoods. Yeah. So I think it's an average income, right? Like they take the average income of the neighborhood and then so what would be affordable to that income? So what's affordable to you may not be, uh, um, pushed forward as, a, as the affordable market rent for the building that you're looking to move into for an affordable rental, whatever. <laughs> you had it. Yeah. Uh, okay. We got a few more questions here. I'm going to put this in the comments again, but uh, if you haven't already, just hit the subscribe button. If you're already subscribed, don't worry about it. Just send us an email to paulgregdavidgmail, put in the subject line, dinner with co-rep, uh, and you can win a dinner with, uh, with the three of us, myself, Greg, and Dave. It'll be a great time. Uh, let's see. Be strong. What's the main condition of sale? <laughs> be strong is going to be a host on this show soon. He's what gonna, is the main? He's going to win the dinner. He's oh, yeah. Gonna win the, he's, just, he's just coming. He has to. What's the main condition of sale that needs to be fulfilled to complete recently sale transactions? 
What is the main condition of sale that needs to be fulfilled to complete oh, recently? Yeah. Sale finance, it's usually financing or inspection. That's it. Those are the two general uh, conditions in an offer. Some will have a lawyer review. If it's a condo, it'll have a status certificate review. But in general, you're going to have a uh, just a financing condition and an inspection condition. Some agents will have pre-inspections and the buyers may waive their right to that clause, but financing is going to be in every offer you get pretty much for the next, for the future, unless you got some, unless you're a strong buyer and you just absolutely don't need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we typically will always advise people if possible to put in a condition for financing. I mean, you know, it, no matter how much we pre-approve someone, especially with all the moving parts that happen these days, uh, sometimes we need exception to different types of income. The lender has to make an exception on their policies to approve the file. So always good to have some form of backup. So if things don't work out how you expect them to, that you can, you can still step away from that offer. Uh, let's see here. Thoughts on House Sigma. Is it a good tool? We actually had mm -hmm. House Very Sigma cool. on. So if you go back, look through our episodes, we actually had House Sigma on explaining the platform. Have you used it much, Greg? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I haven't used it much lately. I've used it in the past. So it's a great tool. Like if you want data, um, it's, it's got a lot, it's got a lot. You can get a lot, a lot of information on house Sigma and it's immediately accurate. The thing that's cool about it is, is that the app's more interactive than our, uh, actually our own real estate board app. So if I'm on the fly and I'm out with clients and we want to see exactly what, you know, sold like, you know, down the street or whatever, it's, it's pretty easy to bring it up on there. Um, it's a great tool. I talk about it on, on my other uh, my other podcast too, and like I have some shorts about it. House Sigma, great tool. Use it. Use it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we should touch on this one. Any follow up on the houses that went for auction in Ottawa? Is this still a thing? Yeah, it's still a thing. Uh, they're having a little bit of trouble in this new market, which is why they timed it well to start operating as an actual brokerage because before they were just an auction house, but now they're a brokerage. Uh, but what I am seeing with unreserved is that there are properties coming up for sale and the prices are coming up. They're starting a little bit higher uh, and the it, people aren't bidding and they're selling for less. So they're, it's basically become like another, just another real estate brokerage. Um, from what, from what I know, like any, anyone that uh, is looking at unreserved listings, what they have is they're saying like bid now you can like bidding open or whatever, and no one's bidding. Hmm. And then when no one, when no one bids on the day, then maybe they'll get an offer from somebody else. And again, this is not, you know, I'm not that well informed, but from what I've seen over the last month anyways, while the changes have been going on in Ottawa, uh, that's what I've seen. Uh, Chris Jane says, uh, I think one of the comments was, or we said uh, about the, basically the liberals plan. And he said, uh, rent to own, so a mortgage. Basically, uh, rent to owns used to actually be when I first got in the industry in 2013, rents to own were much more common than mm -hmm. today. Uh, and it's essentially uh, an agreement, uh, basically a deal in which the, the you, you commit to renting a property for a specific time period, three years, five years, with the option of buying it before the lease runs out. So usually there'd be kind of an agreed upon price that you can buy it at. And then your monthly payments, your rent actually goes most of it, or I think a portion of it goes towards it. a percentage of the payment is applied towards the purchase price. So it actually is almost like, you know, a portion of your rent is actually going towards the price of the home. And then you have the option to actually buy the home prior to the end of your lease. Keep so in it's mind a pretty... that the, your rental price is inflated because that creates yes. the down payment. So if you're, if you're in a property that let's say uh, would rent for $1,800 a month, you may be paying the investor $2,300 a month to put $500 a month towards the down payment of owning the house based on the price that you decide on at the time. So it's, it, you know, it's, you're not saving anything like, but you are, you know, getting into uh, to ownership in a different way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
uh, I'm going to put my Calendly in the uh, chat here as well. If anyone wants to have a conversation, click on the link, set up a call. We can certainly chat. A um, few more questions here. We'll take two more questions, Greg, and I think we should uh, get into the mood boost and, uh, and wrap up the 100 here. So uh, Clinton says, I would like to say this is one of the most important Ottawa podcasts around. Thank you for your great work. Thank you, Clinton. Uh, Kalen says, I've just been posted to Ottawa with the CAF. Given the interest rates, and I may only be there for three years, am I better off renting than buying? Whew. Um, that might be a, a conversation we want to have one-on-one. -on -one. I would say three years is a tough time horizon because, you know, again, we just don't know where prices and rates and things are going to go. But I would say, you know, your principal pay down over three years, if you have the capacity, the down payment, you can qualify and you can buy a home instead of paying rent for three years, uh, having the ability to pay down that principal and sell the home. The likelihood is in three years, the home will be valued higher just based on historical stats. I know there's no guarantees of that, but the likelihood is it will sell for equal to or higher than what you buy it for today. And also you're going to get all of the money that you've paid back and paid down in principle back when you sell the home, as opposed to just paying rent and basically, you know, giving that money to, to the landlord. So I would say if you have the capacity to, it's always going to be better to rent. Three years is kind of in that time frame where you may not get a huge return, but I think you will still come out net positive. Um, but that's something I, I, you know, I'd want to maybe find out a bit more about the situation before giving you kind of firm advice on that. Um, but great question either way. And welcome to Ottawa. <laughs> um, there, there's, let's get, do those last two questions there too. They're good questions. Sure. Uh, do I need a different real estate agent for Hull versus for Ottawa? Or can one agent do both areas? There are a few agents that are licensed on both sides. Um, generally, I have somebody that I recommend on the Quebec side. But there are there are a few. I mean, I only know I only know two personally that are licensed in Ottawa and Quebec. Um, if you want an introduction, I can help you with that. Or if you'd like an introduction to uh, my Quebec agent and talk to me or my team about working over here, we could do that as well. Um, that's it for that. And then that last question there, Paul. Last question. Uh, from Karim, what do you think will happen to new build inventories, seeing how their listing prices are not following the market price? Yeah, so this is a really interesting one. And I'm actually personally going out with my team in the next couple of weeks to every single new builder that has an office open in Ottawa to get some information on what they are doing and what they're planning on doing with the upcoming changes, because I'm very curious. Because the properties that they have listed now, same models that were built a year ago are selling for almost 100000 less than what they're offering them for sale mm. in, their, in their sales office, which is insane. So like they can't keep doing that because no one's going to pay. So I'm, uh, I am going to go do my recon and report back to everybody, all the tow rep listeners. I like it. I like it. Thank you for that, Greg. Thank you for your for your your time and your efforts. <laughs> My efforts. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, hey, listen. I, I mean, that was great. We really appreciate all the uh, all the questions. That was a really good uh, AMA, basically. <laughs> you know, ask me anything. But... Ask me anything. Ask me anything. Yeah, let's. Well, that should be our next one. Uh, mood boost. I'm going to give you guys some good mood boost here. Hundredth episode. Uh, I was trying to get Steven to make a montage of all of the mood boosts of the last hundred episodes. Uh, it was a big undertaking, so it didn't happen, but it's okay. We will, uh, we will, we will rise again. Um, let's see. I'm going to start with, uh, number one, this was sent to me today by, uh, or actually this week by a friend of mine. Number one, what's the difference between a literalist and a kleptomaniac? A literalist take thing, takes things literally. A kleptomaniac takes things literally. <laughs> uh, number two, what do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both parasites. Both parasites. <laughs> yes. Mm. Um, number four. Number three. Wow. Good at math. Number three. Why do hamburgers go to the gym? Trying to get better buns. <laughs> Trying to get those better buns. And last but not least, number four, 
what did the why excuse me why not what why did the wharf break too much peer pressure oh yes, yes. too much peer pressure too those much peer pretty pressure. good those are pretty good uh greg campbell <laughs> thank you 100 100 this yeah. is uh to 100 more we'll be back next absolutely. week absolutely yeah, to 100 more. We uh, So to the listeners, we, we, as we mentioned, you know, we, we started the podcast. Greg and I used to have a, a previous podcast called Growcast. Uh, you might be able to find it lingering on the interweb somewhere. But um, Growcast, and then it kind of uh, translated into, you said, why don't we do this about real estate since that's the actual business we're in. Uh, so we started the auto real estate podcast, which used to be the Friday wrap up in, I think, 2017. And then we did that for a few years. And then we, we actually spoke to a consulting firm and they said, what's with the name? You know, people have no idea what the hell is the Friday wrap up. So from there we said, okay, well, let's just make it as blatantly obvious as possible. Let's just name it the Ottawa real estate podcast. So that everyone knows what it is just from the logo and from the name. Uh, and then from there we brought on Steven, who's our amazing producer and the show from there told, kind of took shape and uh, had a mind of its own. So uh, we're very happy to do this. We love, uh, you know, we love and appreciate all of the listeners. And if you guys ever want to hear, or girls, if anyone listening ever wants to have a specific topic or any sort of guest on, uh, please feel free to send us an email and let us know. And last but not least, I'm going to throw it in the comments again. Uh, if you subscribe, and if you're already subscribed, just send us an email, paulgregdave at gmail.com. Put in the subject line, dinner with toe rep, and uh, you're going to be entered in the contest to win uh, dinner with the three of us. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be back next week. Greg, thank yeah. you. Love thank doing you. this with you. That was uh, that was great. <laughs> Thanks everyone for being amazing. Have a great week. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.